Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Friday, October the 14th, 2022. One of the words that we've sometimes spoken about on this show that I struggle with in terms of its meaning and significance is the word terrorist or terrorism. Looking through internet headlines this morning, it seems as if one person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter. Uh, Vladimir Putin uses the word a lot. He said that the Nord Stream sabotage is an act of uh, what he calls international terrorism, whatever that means. He's also accused Meta, the old Facebook, of being um, a terrorist group and has been added to the list that the Russians are banning. Uh, meanwhile, the Ukrainians are accusing the Russians of being terrorists. Um, the Turks are involved in a debate about with the Americans about quote-unquote counter-terrorist measures in Israel, in the parliament. Um, some, uh, some Israeli politicians are accusing, accusing Arab lawmaker, lawmakers of being, quote-unquote, terrorists in suits. Meanwhile, in America, and one of the consequences of January 6th is the judicial system is struggling with the idea of uh, a Texan militia member being a terrorist. Uh, they certainly accused them of violence in the January 6th disturbance or insurrection, whatever you want to call it but they rejected the idea of treating one of these characters as a terrorist. Uh, my guest on the show today is an expert on terrorism, particularly contemporary terrorism, and she's the author of a new book, Saints and Soldiers, Inside Internet Age Terrorism from Syria to the Capital Siege. Uh, Rita Katz is joining us uh, from her office on the East Coast. Uh, Rita, is the word terrorism... Is it useful or is it simply used by people uh, to criticize people they don't like? It's a good question. I can tell you for sure that the word of the word terrorism evolved from really uh, the definition of what is terrorist organization to what is the modern terrorism uh, organizations that we actually today uh, talk about or mention. And as you showed, those were perfect examples of how terrorism today is totally has many different definitions by different organizations, different countries and different groups. The terrorism that we're seeing today evolved dramatically from the terrorism that I started my work and I started my counterterrorism, uh, uh, my counterterrorism career in 1998, shortly after I moved to the United States from Israel with my family. And the counterterrorism work or the terrorist organizations that we were working on at that time were completely different from terrorism that we're seeing today. My book describes a, the type of modern terrorism which is evolved, born, exists on the internet, where you take away the internet from them and barely anything is left. When I started my work back in 1998, I had to go undercover, physically, Dress. Yeah, you, uh, were you, um, and, and I wasn't entirely clear on this, did a little bit of research on you. 
Uh, did you write this book, Terrorist Hunter, the extraordinary story of a woman who went undercover to infiltrate the radical Islamic groups operating in America? Is that your book? It's my book. I'm very proud of it. I couldn't put my name on it because of what exactly the title says as I was going undercover, infiltrating these communities, leading to arrests, right. indictments. Right. And Rita, you, you describe yourself, and I'm curious, I think words mean a lot in this area. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you describe yourself as a, a, what, a, a counter-terrorist analyst. What does that mean? <sighs> Counterterrorism today, uh, the way that we describe it, is really understanding, from what I do, understanding what is terrorist organization, what are their goals, what are their aims, and even more important is how are they recruiting, how are they delivering their messages, what is it that is making them a terrorist? Uh, okay, so that's a good point. So, so let's get back to my original question. Let's get to definitions. In your new book, um, Saints and Soldiers, Inside Internet Age Terrorism from Syria to the Capital Siege, you suggest that um, terrorism now exists from Syria to the Capital Siege, and it's very much rooted on the internet. What for you does terrorism mean? Is it simply political violence, illegal violence? Yes, it's both of those. It is about carrying out violence for the sake of accomplishing. In the past, it was carrying out violence for the sake of accomplishing certain political goals. Or today, look when you look at the IRA, you look at Hamas, you look at other terrorist organizations. Today, the goals of terrorist organizations, the reasons they carry out uh, operation, military operation attacks, mass shootings is completely different. In many of these cases, there is actually not a real goal. When you look about at the um, recent mass shooters, what you see is that they're carrying out their attacks because they want to carry out the attacks. Many of the attacks we saw in the last few years in the United States and elsewhere they don't really have a specific ideological theme. Or if they did, those that followed their attacks or were inspired by attacks, the ideology was different. They yes, no, I, I take your point, Rita. So today, one of the tragic news stories is that a 15-year-old boy killed five people in North Carolina. Um, who knows why? Is he a terrorist? He is a terrorist. Of course he's a terrorist. But here's the point. He's a terrorist where right now we don't know a lot about him. So it's a very difficult case to analyze. We don't have his we don't know his the reasons for his shooting, where he got his gun, whether he had a manifesto, what's his background. We know nothing because he's a teenager, no information was revealed yet. But we can take other cases such as, let's say, uh, Robert Bowers, who carried out the Pittsburgh attack, or even the, grand, uh, the, the Buffalo attacker. In, his, in many of these cases, ideology is very different between them. They are definitely terrorists because they are mass shooters, mass shooters that are going and carrying out violent activities just for the sake of killing. Terrorism today doesn't necessarily bear the, this, the, con, uh, the, the content of uh, political changes anymore. It is more general term for carrying out violence attacks for the sake of sick, killing people. 
And so that's- but, but, but Rita, is that really that dramatically different when Joseph Conrad wrote his great book on terrorism at the beginning of the 20th century? His focus was on the nihilism of the terrorists. Well, haven't terrorists always had a cult of violence? And it's no, maybe they're more that they're more powerful now because of the availability of guns. Maybe they can communicate better because of the internet, but things haven't changed that dramatically, have they? I think that things have changed dramatically even since I started my work 25 years ago. Things have changed in a way that ideology really is not a major role. When you look at terrorism in the past, they had a goal. And their goal, once the goal accomplished, then this type of terrorism will stop. Look at the IRA. Look at, look at many other terrorist organizations that were able to achieve their goals. And if they didn't, like Hamas in Israel, for instance, they will continue with their operations. But today's attacks, many of the attacks are carried out not for any specific reason, but because they think that one attack will lead to another attack and inspire a whole movement that will that supports violence for the sake of violence. And so we started seeing this. Were you going Sorry, back? go on, go on. We started so why did I write this book? It's it's really about the change in terrorism that I myself have seen. Like I said, in the beginning, my, my work really focused on tracking down uh, how terrorist organizations are fundraising. And the United States served one of these countries that funded terrorism by different nonprofit organizations that were created here, front groups, organizations for Hamas and, and even Al-Qaeda and others, which I had to go and really find the evidence, find the proofs, physically attending these events. But over time, things have changed. And back when Tora Bora was destroyed after 9-11, we started seeing the new kind of terrorism. While terrorism was in the past, when I studied it in Tel Aviv University back then, it was it had it had certain elements. It was having training camps, having a leadership, having a physical location, having an agenda, having goals. And all of that together was part of what created terrorist organizations as they were called before. Today, terrorist organizations are not defined necessarily by the same means. And because terrorist organizations had these, uh, these definitions that of recruitment, etc., when somebody carried out an attack, the first thing that was needed to do and look at is, did he belong and to what belong, if he did belong to a terrorist organization, what was that terrorist organization? How did he communicate with them? Did he pledge to that organization? But today, none of that exists. Today, many of the mass shooters, and we started seeing much of this phenomenon with ISIS. When ISIS started rising back in 2004, 2014, and attackers all over the world started carrying out attacks. And these attackers were not really part of ISIS. They never met any of the ISIS leadership. They never went to ISIS training camps. They never even read or knew enough about the ISIS ideology. They carried out these attacks because they felt the need responding to calls to carry out attack because of the strong media from ISIS that you could find. Well, but but, but ISIS still has a worldview. What I don't understand is how you can consider, say, the violence of ISIS and the violence of a, 
uh, a 15 year old boy who goes on a shooting spree in, in North Carolina, why you consider those both terrorism? So anytime your, your, your definition of terrorism is anytime anyone uh, any time anyone perpetrates violence, there are a terrorist. So if a man kills his family, is he a terrorist? So regarding the 15-year-old, again, I, it's very difficult to talk about him. But if we talk about mass shooters that we know were recruited or inspired by previous shooters, whether it's the Buffalo shooter or uh, Pittsburgh shooter or San well, Diego Parkland. shooter. I mean, uh, so, so you're Life saying that shooters. any, any mm -hmm. of these mass murderers in America, people who, who, who kill children in schools, they're all terrorists. I don't know if it, you can call all of them. Again, it depends. For me, when we analyze an operation, when we analyze the reasons for the attack, and we see that this is part of chain reactions that are uh, coming in light of conspiracy theories that believe that certain kind of people are better than others, and those that are part of their conspiracy theories need to be killed. This is absolutely terrorism. But the problem today is even worse than that, that terrorism is much greater. What are these targets have expanded to much more? When you look at organizations such as QAnon, their right. targets... Yeah, I, I want to talk to you about QAnon. You know, you've written about them and you've connected QAnon in some ways with Al-Qaeda. We've done a show on We've done a number of shows, actually, on QAnon, one with the journalist Mike Rothschild, who has a new book out, The Storm is Upon Us. Are you suggesting that QAnon is a terrorist group? First of all, the FBI did document uh, QAnon as a terrorist, uh, as a terrorist organization. It's not, or it's, it was not. But, no, but I'm asking you. I'm not asking you for the FBI. I believe that uh, QAnon movement is a terrorist organization. So anyone who believes in QAnon conspiracy theories is a terrorist? Not everyone that believes in it. The roots of the organization, the conspiracy theories that believe that certain, that certain people and communities need to be killed or attacked. Look at the, look at the chain of attacks that happened after the Pizzagate uh, conspiracy theory of Hillary Clinton meeting at Pizzagate. That led to terrorist attacks. People actually took weapons to carry out attacks. When you see some kind of conspiracy theory or agenda or stories that lead to terrorist attack, that becomes to be an organization that inspires terrorism. What about and January 6th? Uh, yeah, I make your point. What, what about January 6th? You wrote a, an interesting piece in Salon about it. Um, you say the, the headline is a it's actually an excerpt from your book. Uh, January 6th was entirely predictable. It was planned in broad daylight. Was, in your view, January 6th a terrorist operation? January 6th is a terrorist operation. January Why? 6th is a terrorist operation. This is bunch, it's, it's, uh, which definitely led by Donald Trump. Uh, because oh, Donald Trump's a terrorist too? I wouldn't say that Donald Trump, but the movement itself was led by Donald Trump. QAnon movement, the far right individuals, right, the militia group. Back to this question, you're saying that no, I, I, let's focus on January sixth. In your view, January sixth was a terrorist operation. Why? Because 
whether they were misguided or not is another question, but these the people group, were... The group tried to revolt on the, the administration in the United States. They tried to hijack law officials. They tried to kidnap them. They tried to hang pins. They tried, it was a coordinated operation. And that's what this article shows, a whole chapter in my book. And it, it wasn't a secret that it was all planned completely. So, uh, so if it was planned, it wasn't, a very, it wasn't a very smart operation. I mean, it seemed like a lot of overweight Americans running around Washington, D.C., not quite knowing what they were going to do with themselves. I just, I think that you seem hysterical about terrorism. Everyone and everything seems to be a terrorist from people who showed up in Washington, D.C. on January 6th to Donald Trump to 15-year-olds killing people. I mean, who isn't a terrorist? Well, 15-year-old, uh, we just still don't know. Who isn't a terrorist, Rita? I mean, at what point do you become a terrorist? Were the, were the people demonstrating for Black Lives Matter? Are no. they terrorists? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Terrorism What's the difference between when... someone who shows up at a Black Lives Matter protest and someone who showed up in D.C. on January 6th? Terrorism is when you find that violence and killing people is the solution for whatever you think your goals are. When you start carrying out operation attacking and leading to mass shooting because of any, any agenda that you have, that's terrorism. That's terrorism. And it well, is, yeah, I, 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 I have to say that it, it's not convincing, it, but let's get to the heart of your book, Saints and Soldiers, Inside Internet Age Terrorism from Syria to the Capital Siege. Is the internet now, the, the dots joining um, Syria, the Capital Siege, uh, QAnon, and, and all these other supposedly violent organizations that you cover, is the internet the cause of all this? The internet has a very big impact for much of that. Mass shooters today are indoctrinated, are become radicalized because of the safe havens that they have on the internet. If you take away the internet from them, much of that is not going to happen. When you look at the growth of ISIS, and that's one of the models that I describe in the book, ISIS did not grow because of their ideological uh, me because of the ideology that the, that the group was disseminating. ISIS grew much because of their presence on the internet. And when the media was reaching out to different misfit people all over the world, some that were just in prison or released from prison or teenagers that really never knew much about ISIS, but it was a cool idea. They joined the group, and if they couldn't join the group, some ended up carrying out their own operation in these countries. And so these individuals never met ISIS, never had any interaction with ISIS, Everything happened online. They were exposed to ISIS online, and ISIS was making sure to show everything online, from the most gruesome videos to the operations that they were executed everywhere in the world, all and when people, and that one of the concepts that ISIS actually changed, which later on we saw within the far-right community, is when somebody carried out an operation and he wasn't really part of ISIS, it wasn't an ISIS official operation, those people were called 
soldiers of the caliphate. And terms like that, part of new culture that the group have created, really inspired many other attackers to carry out attacks and to join the group. Looking at case that I investigated and I studied a lot of the three Colorado girls, which were not the first young girls, teenagers between the ages of 15 and 17 that decided to join ISIS didn't really have much of ideology about ISIS, but they were on social media. And social media really uh, indoctrinated them and made them leave everything be behind and join ISIS. Is the thing? I, I mean, I'm not a great fan of ISIS, but can one be a freedom fighter in the world today, Rita, without being a terrorist? Yeah, I guess so. There will be freedom fighters that will are not considered as terrorists. Well, if if Russia, for example, occupies um, Ukraine and there's an underground resistance against that occupation, a, a violent underground resistance, uh, are those Ukraine? I mean, the Russians would accuse them of terrorism. Are they, in your mind, terrorists? Look, like you said in the beginning, terrorists of one country is might be by one group will be considered as a martyr or a holy man in another by by others. So it's really talking about specific. It's all about opinions, of course, and it's about um, when you talk about uh, general trends. And I'm talking about general trends on how we see terrorism today, very different from terrorism in the past, where the definition definition of what creates a terrorist organization have completely changed. Is there such a thing, uh, uh, there such a thing Rita, as a terrorist state? You, you've written a number of pieces. You wrote an interesting piece on uh, far-right terrorists wanting sit the Syrian crisis to bring uh, a race war. You've also written a number of pieces connecting uh, the coronavirus with terrorism. Is, is, is the Syrian state, for example, is Assad state, is that a, a terrorist state? It's, it is definitely considered by the United States government and, and others as a state that supports terrorism, that funds terrorism and recruit terrorists. So it is, the, in this case, these definitions are not necessarily mine, so but no, yes, they do. Is Russia a terrorist can I, state? Can I please just finish yeah, my okay. sentence? Sorry. Uh, states, countries like Syria, like Iran, they... Uh, fund and support terrorist organizations. And these terrorist organizations, by definition, are being named as such by the State Department, by OFAC, by other countries as well. So it is these definitions are definitely official definitions that are used by government agencies and, and by countries in general. You, you were born, I think, in, in Iraq, but grew up in Israel. Is, is, I mean, some people consider Israel a terrorist state. What, what's your... Sure. Some people consider, and you know what? Is it? There is no problem in considering such a thing. There's, you know, we're allowed to say what we want. There's no problem. I've heard people calling Israel as a terrorist country. So there is no problem with that. I'm not saying that somebody who calls a different country is a terrorist, then he is a terrorist. There is, I think you're talking here about two different things. There's freedom of speech. You can say what you want in that regard. Yeah. So I can understand the people that will call Israel as a terrorist state. But at the same time, you know, okay. one of the things I have said is that what happens in Israel is a very, very complicated situation where you have both groups like fighting for, for right. different things and, and 
for some people, the, the Palestinians are the right people and others are the terrorists. So it's just really, it's, uh, you're talking here about getting into different political agendas, political conflicts, political, I'm not talking about that, that this is not what my book is about and this is not what I have done. If you read my, my first book or second book, I don't go to try to really um, identify who's right and who's wrong in any conflict. I am bringing here to analyze and explain to the American people and people in general all over the world, because the internet is virtual and it's global, is what is going on today in the world. Today, it is a whole different infrastructure of what terrorism is about. Terrorism doesn't have specific ideological roots. It doesn't have any specific leadership. When you look at the QAnon movement, which we just talked about, who's the leader of the QAnon movement that a lot of people, millions of people have pledged for? Who are the people? Where is, where is it located? What is the ultimate goal of the QAnon movement? None of that exists, yet people are being brainwashed to believe in certain ideas, and that led them to carry out attacks. And so that is something that what I'm basically trying to explain today is what is happening today. Look, when in the past, when I was investigating terrorist organizations or trying to monitor them, collect information on them and understand how they operate. It was a very different structure. I had to be there. You had to study the group. You had to learn what are they thinking and where they can come from and where they can fundraise from. Today, the work is done on the internet. Today, okay, so I, I take your point. You, you've made, right, you've made your point, Rita, on the internet. Um, I mean, you are implying the inter that terrorism is a bad thing. I mean, you're certainly not celebrating it. So if, if, if these new movements from Syria to the capital siege, if they are leaderless, if they're ubiquitous, if they're everywhere, but they're online, um, we don't want them. I mean, no one's celebrating that. No one wants internet age terrorism. What are we supposed to do? We, first of all, and one of the most important things, we need to understand what is causing, what is getting these organizations, these extremist movements that exist on the internet to grow. And that basically one of the main reasons that made me write this book. After 9-11 destruction of the training camps, we could see that despite the fact the Al-Qaeda was pretty much over there, not active anymore. Uh, the training camps were destroyed. Leadership was arrested. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed was found. Others were hiding. The, the jihadi movement continued to grow. And it grew in a way that in 2007, when I testified before Congress, there were already, there were cells all over the world. And I came with a message saying that if you're not going to really understand how the internet works in recruiting new generations, then anywhere continue to kill people, arresting people is not going to solve. Okay, so I take your point. So what are we supposed to do? So the internet is being used to recruit kids to commit atrocities. What, what's, what should our response be? Our responsibility, or first of all, is to understand how things happen. So the book, first of all, explains how is the far-right community, the ISIS terrorist organization, I hope you you're okay with me calling ISIS a terrorist organization, um, really grew in a way that 
in no time were able to recruit people all over the world that never had any more profile. It's from young girls to old men to uh, all kind of spectrum of the social uh, society. And once you understand how that happened, you can start providing solutions. And the way my solutions, me as a great believer in freedom of speech, and I think that this country is really, I think that people really don't understand how much this country offers and how important to maintain freedom of speech because only people that I think moved from different countries can really understand what the privilege uh, that you have here. Many have suggested to change the freedom of speech because when you have freedom of speech saying I we can do whatever, we can kill this person or we can incite for violence, the freedom of speech needs to change. That's not going to happen. And I don't think it should happen. I think this is not the solution. The solution I offer is actually, once you understand that these terrorist extremist safe haven or movements that really indoctrinate and uh, incite people for mass shootings are born on the internet, exist solely on the, almost solely on the internet, the solution is to fight them on the internet. If you fight them on the internet, barely anything is going to be left. And how you fight them on the internet is by understanding how these safe havens are operate. And they are by, you have to go, we have to make internet companies, um, the ICT sector in large, at large, as uh, responsible for these communities and has to be accountable for what they are providing. If they are providing safe haven for calling for incitement, then that has to be addressed. And it has to be addressed actually by the ICT sector because almost every internet company, any, any, any company within the sector of providing websites, whether from the registrar to the ISP that provides the servers and the content and the e-commerce, almost all of them, if not all, have their own rules and conditions. And you have to sign up on the rules. That's very difficult. So in, a, in an odd kind of way, Rita, you're agreeing with uh, Vladimir Putin that uh, Meta, which is essentially Facebook, is a terrorist or at least enabling terrorism. So you're saying that Google and uh, Instagram and, uh, uh, and TikTok, they're all enabling terrorism. Is that right? I, I didn't say that. I, I well, you know. are saying that. You're saying big tech is enabling I, I terrorism. I said you have to identify the platforms that allow... Well, which platforms in particular are there? Um, so I'll be happy to discuss that. Uh, when we talk a lot about some the, the safe havens of these groups, when you look at the mass shooters, many of them didn't come uh, from Facebook directly. They came from safe havens that are not moderated. HM uh, is the one that Christchurch mm -hmm. attacker came from. Uh, when you look, when you read his manifesto, he says that specifically that he was radicalized on HN, that HN served a very important place for him to learn and communicate. And, and the memes on HN, the media on HN made him part of what he is. Those that followed him said the same. Ernest, who carried out the San Diego attack, was thanking 
ancient. Let's not go too far. Two days ago, there was an attack on LGBTQ bar in Slovakia. That same individual was directly inspired by Tarrant, by the Buffalo shooter, and by Ernest and others. And he specifically said, I'm thankful to HN that really made me who I am and opened my eyes. And HN is only one of them. Well, uh, there, there a, are other a, platforms. Platform. I mean, there's no publisher of HN. Of, of HN. Somebody is providing the server for HN, there are administrators, there's an ISP. You can't run a website without having a domain, without having a server, you, without paying for the server. This is a whole infrastructure that, that requires a lot of people, but servers are very important. You need to have a company that will also protect your server from DDoS attack. Um, and so it's, it's a whole concept. But again, HN is just one of them. What happened after January 6th? It was all exposed that Perler, that Gab, that um, uh, other uh, other platforms, were, which we monitored also, that Donald had all been coordinating and calling for the January 6th attack. And without these joint venture, joint um, without these coordinations on these platforms, very likely that it wouldn't have been so much. Okay, so I, I take a final question, Rita. I, I, you know, obviously what you're saying has some truth. There are people on Gab and, and other platforms calling for violence, perhaps terrorism. What does one do? What does one make these platforms accountable? How does one do that? Or do or, or should we be just simply trying to shut them down? Which is, in internet terms, which is actually impossible because the, the service can go elsewhere. But what's your suggestion for this? I mean, what's my, the my suggestion is very simple. Any of these ISPs in their rules and conditions say that sites, websites that or servers that basically will incite for violence will be taken down. Some say may, may be taken down. I, my suggestion is very simple. Enforce your own rules and conditions. Well, you talk about ISPs. I mean, ISPs are Comcast or AT&T. These are internet service providers. That's a different... Internet server providers is when you want to run a website, like for instance, let's talk about Perler that was highly uh, involved in the coordination for the January 6th and Congress afterward was investigating Perler. So let's take the example of Perler, for instance. Perler had, uh, you had to use a server. When you run a website, you have to have a server. The server was provided by Amazon Web Services. And so Amazon was responsible for making this site alive, for being able to communicate and able to incite for violence and, of course, many other things. Without Amazon, they couldn't have operated. And in addition to that, you had to have a domain. So the domain registrar is also responsible for knowing what is this domain being served for. And so you have to have the responsibility of knowing who your clients are. And when you go through that, you can decide, wait a second, I already see. And there were tons of reports about Perler, a lot of reports. And, uh, and, and Amazon didn't take them down until later after January 6th. Well, that's an interesting argument from Rita Katz. Uh, Amazon Web Services is the 
kind of organization behind today's terrorism, Saints and Soldiers, her new uh, book, Inside Internet Age Terrorism from Syria to the Capital Siege. It's an interesting and important book from one of the world's leading uh, authorities on uh, on terrorism. Congratulations, Rita, on that. What else are you reading these days, Rita? What other uh, books are you enjoying? Oh, okay. First of all, just to say, I'm not saying that Amazon is the only, is, is a... No, you didn't say they're the only one, just, but you said I'm saying that in general, there are several and uh, several Silicon Valley companies that are really behind uh, the protection of the far-right community, which is not something that happened with ISIS. With ISIS, when the decision was made that ISIS media is very dangerous, they all took part in taking down these communities, these websites right. and uh, platforms. I take your point. I say it's it an interesting and provocative right. thesis. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm talking to you from San Francisco. Uh, I'm a Silicon Valley person. I don't agree, and I don't think many people here would agree, but maybe you're right. So, what, what else are you reading, Rita, these days? Huh. Well, um, I don't have a lot of time reading. When I have a few free time, I try to read to my grandchildren's different books. You know, how do you get to see them and spend time with all this work? But ah, a great book that I read while working on my book, uh, The American Zealots by um, Arya Pelliger. Very, very recommended in really understanding the far right um, he wrote the book in 2020, very current also. Um, another book that I personally like that I read a few years ago, but it stuck with me for a long time and I asked my kids to read it also, is a book called My Glorious Brothers. It's actually written by a historian, um, historian Jewish, that Howard uh, Fast, that really describes the events in Masada by the Maccabees back then in a hysterical way. Very interesting story. Great book. I enjoyed. Once I started, I couldn't stop. Um, yeah. And much of what I read is really about this field. <laughs> 